All right, get those penis statues over here. Yeah. Okay. Is Roger Daltrey in the chaplain outfit yet? Okay, yeah. there's your mark. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is what he does. Yeah, totally. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. It's one fucking hour time. I, of course, am Evan Husney, and this is the goddamn show where we talk about one movie for one fucking hour, and we got Big T, Tom Fitzgerald in the house. What's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm hanging in there. I mean, uh, we had a great loss with, you know, earlier this week. Oh, <laughs> a, a lead vocalist. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into it, but uh, yeah, just working through that, but I'm cool. I'm here. Yeah, he's not, he's not being... Uh, ironic or facetious with that um i know how much that artist that recording artist means to you um very much i mean for you know yeah 100 yeah, percent. not kidding around anyway yeah, not kidding on. around at all okay <clears throat> um and <laughs> to my right we got of course mr marcus herring marcus what's going on man marcus Uh-oh. oh oh Whoa. Oh my god, I took too much acid. Ah! Oh my god. Oh my god. It's <laughs> primordial PD. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Peak and PD. Oh Peak my god. Peak and primordial PD. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay, I think I'm better now. Okay, good, good. Yeah, good. you'll be fine. Yeah. Walk it off. Lo- love conquers all, Marcus. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> oh, so, no. what are we talking about tonight? We are talking about, of course, episode 80, guys. We've done 80 fucking hours of this show, and here we are. That's and appalling. Feels like 180. Yeah. Yeah. And we started We started with the 1900 film and the yeah. 1900 first film. That's how, right. if people aren't, aren't familiar with the show until recently, like we've been doing every year since yeah. 1900. Right, so exactly. That's how we got to 1980. Here we do it. That's right, yeah. Man a, Running from Train was a good episode or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. was it? Um, every yeah. Train Robbery was yeah, a right. barn burner episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Episode 80 uh, is tonight, and that means that we are covering a movie from 1980. We're here. We are. We yeah. finally arrived at the fucking 80s. Here we are, and y'all participated. Everyone who watches participated in a poll, and you guys voted for tonight's movie, which was, which is Altered States by Ken mm-hmm. Russell, and uh, kind of a dope choice, you know. I mean, it 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 beat yeah. out The Shining. I was kind of anticipating we were going to do our take on the shining tonight this beat but the shining guys like, I know, I that's know. like a no-brainer you know yeah. like uh, <laughs> yeah. yes please and yeah. we all needed another analysis of that film too you know so no it did it needed ours because we it haven't spoken ours. up yet that's and we right. might actually have a Hot take or two. We hate all it, these. So it would have been very <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Falls apart yeah. in the third act. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah, Altered States uh, came out on top uh, over Airplane, which we were kind of quietly all hoping that for. Be, that would have been a fun, be fun episode. Yeah. Uh, and 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 dressed to kill, of course, to get a little De Palma in. But who knows? Maybe down the line we'll get to De Palma. We'll get to that later. At the end of the show, we'll talk about next week, 1981. <clears throat> but for now, let's get into Altered States. Oh, wait. Holy shit. Before we do that, 
I got to give a shout out really quickly, guys, to the One Fucking Hour Patreon. We got a couple of new subscribers here uh, over the past week. Thank you all for signing up. Uh, super awesome. Cool. I think a lot of the, uh, the, the OFH community is super hyped on the fact that we just recorded a DVD audio commentary track to fucking Jaws, y'all. Um, which is available now on the Patreon. The only way to get our DVD audio commentary style tracks is Mm -hmm. uh, on the Patreon. It's just five bucks a month. You can sign up there to get instant access to all those, or you can scroll underneath the video, click the join button and become a member or what I'm calling uh, for moments only uh, on the YouTube uh, channel. And you can also get the same perks. You can get 24 hour early access to every episode that we do and the DVD commentary tracks. So it's the best way to support the show. If you love what we do, if you love what we're doing here, talking about movies, it's the next fucking logical step, man. It's the next, uh, the layer deeper of consciousness, man, is hanging with us and watching movies. And uh, fuck, man, we're gonna announce the next DVD commentary track probably next week. So uh, I don't, I don't know, guys. You better fucking sign up. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we get into the main feature program tonight, Altered States? Are you guys ready to start the clock? Yeah. Sure. Let's All start right. the clock. All right. So uh, clock is starting now. All right. Of course, starting the episode like we always do here with just a little uh, plot synopsis action here on Altered States. Um, Altered States is the 1980 film written by Patty Chayefsky and directed by Ken Russell that combines science and pseudoscience to portray one man's quest for God and the meaning of life. In his big screen debut, William Hurt stars as Eddie Jessup, a physiologist who uses an isolation tank and a brew of hallucinogenic mushrooms used in Mexican native rituals to break through to the hidden forces and hidden knowledge supposedly contained within us all. The combination triggers a cosmic transformation that sends him reeling through uh, genetic contortions and back through time and space to the moment of creation. <laughs> so but it's, it's really a, a rom-com. Yeah, well, it ca- <laughs> kind I mean, of is, yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. Um, yeah, but that's the film tonight. Um, you know, uh, here we go. I mean, 1980, but it does still kind of feel like it's, it's hanging over from, you know, the 70s a little bit. Um, as well, I mean, filmed (laughs) in 79, of course, and getting deep into the world of, you know, sort of psychotropic exploration, um, kind of something that you would, it's kind of still prescient to today in some ways I was kind of thinking about, you know, with all these, you know, people who are sort of craving the ego death with the ayahuasca trips and, you know, mending everything, you can kind of see that there's, you know, parallels to it to today. That's sure. definitely made a comeback. It feels like it yes. went away. Like almost right. like this movie kind of closed the door on the sixties or something, you know. Sure. And then like it kind of went away. But yeah, that seems like a, uh it's made a big comeback, that sort of psychedelic exploration of yourself and herself. Totally. Totally, totally, hundred percent. That's what makes it kind of very interesting to look back and watch. I mean, this movie um, Altered States for me, not much of an interesting backstory I have with the movie. I probably saw it, you know, maybe over 10 years ago. I can't even remember. Um, the thing that, that stood out to me the most, uh, obviously, is the all the hallucination sequences are very, you know, visually staggering. Lots of great blue screen action. Crazy images, you know, that 
I'll, you know, you always think of when I close my eyes and think of this movie, I always think of the fucking guy crucified on the cross with the goat head with the eight eyes yeah. and shit. It's like, almost like uh, the, that Nirvana video. It is. You know? It is. Uh, or, yeah. It's, or it's very black it? hole sun, you know, as well. Yeah. Too. Yeah. You know? well, it all yeah. feels a little 90s grunge video, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, but in 1980. You know? yeah. yeah, it's the cutting too. Real. I think. I, I think. It's, I'm sure they were yeah. influenced. I'm sure it did influence a lot of music video makers. You know, the oh, Gen Xers in the '90s. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. it had to have been. It had to have been. Um, but Marcus, before we were taping, you sort of mentioned that you had maybe kind of fun story on how you first came to this movie, right? Well, yeah. I don't know if it's fun, but it's. I definitely remember this movie was a. Bi- uh, I remember discovering when I discovered this film. I was in college. I worked at a video store, but I also was. Um, I was taking a, a course in the literature department, Darwin and literature, <laughs> and my professor uh, started talking about the stoned ape theory. You know, the um, that like there was sort of the in the Australopithecus era, uh, uh, the way that human consciousness got uh, developed was that these. Uh, Australopithecus ate like some mushrooms or something and tripped out. And that's what helped develop, you know, human consciousness, which to this day sounds as plausible as anything to me, really. And, uh, you know, that's where religion came from or whatever. So, you know, I mentioned this movie and I was like, holy shit, there's a movie about about, like (laughs) tripping out, you know, because I'm at that, I'm at that college age where you're kind of open to, you know, exploration and stuff anyway. Totally. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, so I loved the idea of this movie. You know, I went to the video store I worked at, pulled it off, and uh, pulled that we had it. Um, and I loved the. I always loved the idea that this movie exists just mm-hmm. at all. You know, sure. so it seems like there's so few movies on this subject. And um, but even back then, I, you know, it wasn't a perfect movie for me. You know, there's it's got a special place in my heart. But I loved yeah. the promise of the beginning. You know, that this is going to be a movie about psychonauts. You know, yeah. exploring the inner recesses of the mind you know mm-hmm. and then i felt like maybe it didn't it, it took a different path than i was hoping the second sure. half would the, the final the, you know where the whole plot was going was unexpected to me and, and i liked i kind of preferred the movie in my mind you know where it was headed right yeah but, um, oh totally it's got some killer set pieces a lot of promise and it delivers you know some fucking crazy imagery for a movie you know that opened big you know um as well i, I was just gonna say go ahead uh, yeah. um well just to link it maybe so i have an origin story only in that uh you know i'm a kid i got like cinemax going rocking hard and it, like i was saying earlier when i can always tell when i was a kid i can always tell like when a film is a bomb because yeah. it would play every day of the week and hits would play <laughs> twice a week maybe once a week so you'd see the yeah. shining like yeah, on Saturday. But then altered states, they just fucking carpet bomb <laughs> the, the, the schedule. And so yeah. this is me. This was a mm-hmm. typical day. I'd be like uh, waking up, not watching cartoons in the morning before school, having cereal. And I'm watching altered states. I have distinct memory of that. <laughs> like, uh, wow. like, you know, and then multiple times, like it would be on mm-hmm. at like 7 a.m. So uh, I took to it. But, so what I'm saying is, so that's my history. And as a kid, I, I even took note um because i hadn't seen any wild ass films like this until then. Yeah. i mean right. I, I, you know until that time and it was subsequently years later to seeing artorowski and whatnot so i, I remember it's one specific moment where i was like this is as bad as far out i think as a hollywood major studio film has ever gotten and right. it was the length mm-hmm. of the sphinx uh, yes. d- uh sand sphinx decaying 
Yes. <laughs> no. I have to. I have to just echo that real quick. Uh, yeah, hit me. What's up? It's 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 the thing that 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 stuck out to me the most on the rewatch was how ex- the I you're pulling it right out of my brain. The length no. of the scene of the I don't know what you call it. The sort of like they're they're, they're being petrified by dust. <laughs> His wife is taking on a mm. sphinx like. Uh, a nude uh, posture and he's lying on his side weirdly and they're made of sand and the sand decays and it i don't know how long it really is it's long but it is 10 times longer than what <laughs> any normal major yeah. studio film would do. give that moment right. Th- that moment would usually get probably like 12 seconds tops yeah, you're right but it lingers and again again as all i'm saying is, as a kid i went like oh this is different this is far out because the <laughs> That's the thing when you you know you you get so used and conditioned by the rhythm of uh, the scene cuts you know mm-hmm. how the movies flow, and uh, even like The Shining you know like has a more normal uh, shot length on average. But this was again my example where that is not normal, and I, mm-hmm. I I'm pretty stumped. I don't think there's been Hollywood films that I, don't, I wouldn't say take chances, but films that like mm-hmm. almost indulgently and boldly just say like. Yeah, this is kind of how the movie works for now. Uh, it's going to be three minutes of uh, sand, uh, human figure decaying in sand. So, uh, you know, oh, so, so that, that that left a great impression. I mean, so I, I don't think I could I could think of any film that's a major Hollywood film. Yeah, that um, yeah. was as far out as this. And it happened to yeah. happen in 1980. Like there was no 1971 Mm-mm. Hollywood film that was just mm-hmm. going absolutely bananas like this yeah uh, and, and, it's and, wild. and lingering in the trip outs that's all mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. wild you saw it as a kid too because it's i mean this is uh this is definitely a movie for adults like over decidedly over again yeah, yeah. i mean they're the not gore. it's in the after in the post star wars era you know around the time of raiders and stuff they're not trying to throw they didn't make a sci-fi movie with any Throwing a bone at kids in no, any yeah. way. Yeah, no, totally. hard, this was an adult hard science film. Yeah, yeah, yeah but no, yeah. but that's the word. It's adult. Clearly, and it reads mm-hmm. that way, and it's and it's clearly made for adults. And as a child, I was very voyeuristic about like what is adult life like. So I was responding to this is just one of the little point I had. I was also responding not just to the gore and the nudity and stuff like that and the freakiness, but I was also into like, who are these people? Because I wasn't also seeing depictions of people like this, and I just had some notes here. I was thinking. Yeah, it's academic people, the setting of this world. But what I love seeing is that they're they're hyper curious and hyper engaged and kind of turned on. Both he yeah. and she, Blair Brown's character too, is in their like baboon studies in Africa. <laughs> and I was like, I thought that was really cool. I was like, oh, so this is how when you grow up, you could be like this. Yeah. Instead of like some asshole in like the big chill or something like that. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> oh, uh, I, I was going to bring that up again. But anyway, so so that's uh, another thing that really thrilled me. It was a very exotic film to see is really my whole point. Yeah. And uh, it was definitely, I, I was a person before I saw it a hundred times and then after because it was, um, Yeah. I didn't I didn't know movies could happen like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it's successful, it's, it's really kicks ass, you know? Yeah. No, 100%. And that scene that you were just, again, just to bring it back, you know, to that sure. people turning to dust thing that that whole set piece of that first real you know mexican mushroom trip sequence is really one of my favorites in the in the movie especially on the rewatch because it is pretty fucking crazy is how hard they go with it um in terms of all the different you know uh like i was saying there's all the weird blue screen action that that kind of Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, precedes that but then it just that one sequence the fucking you know her pose as like the lizard 
you know, and then you yes. realize that <laughs> the snake, the big snake is strangling him. Yeah, the mm-hmm. big snake is strangling him. But you're also sort of like um, seeing this, like whatever that Komodo dragon thing is. And like, mm-hmm. apparently like in the religion or in the, whatever the background is for uh, that tribe, it's like they believe is that. ayahuasca, that, by the way? No, well, uh, I don't know. But they, but they believe that that dragon you know, delivered them the the mushrooms because that's in like the the cave paintings or the carvings or whatever you see and everything. And so it's just the Garden of Eden painting kind of, but it's like the the lizard delivering the mushroom instead of the uh, snake delivering the apple. Right, right, right. Can can I mention one thing? You're talking about blue screen just to kind of geek out like, we had just done, um, we were talking about blue screen weirdness in uh, Uh The the Visitor. Visitor. And how yeah. it also relates to the weird, bad, fun look of uh, like the black hole. Mm-hmm. And what's great about this one is the the green screen chaos here is very intentional, and there's no mistake. Like what I'm yeah. saying is like there's mad clashing. Like it's okay if like the blacks aren't as the right depth in the fore and the background that kind of thing. Yeah, because it shouldn't be matching because it's very um, subjective and proto music video ish. Mm-hmm. And there's like three layers of green screen and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I found it almost to be feel just to put a button on this for me is like, it's like music video Kenneth Anger kind of like like the mm-hmm. like nineteen eighty technology does feel that way. Yeah, with Kenneth yep. Anger with a budget, you know, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, the, yeah, the Dope. flames. It does feel like the titles to uh, uh, Lucifer Rising in a way. Yeah, the, the, the comping, and uh, right. and it it is. I I noted the visitor too, you know, because it's the, like that was done. The keying was done poorly in the visitor, right? But it's done really well here. You know, it's like I mm-hmm. guess it's even sort of like a like a technological achievement of the yep. day to get like the hairs, the fine hairs to uh, mm-hmm. to key and still be able to see them. And uh, it does feel like it's about. There's music videos from the late '80s that have that sort of intense comping, like um, uh, Zbigniew New Rudchinsky or something would do. Yeah. Time com- stands still. Later. The Rush yeah, video yeah. for Time Stand Still by him. Yeah. Feels like uh, that. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is a little earlier, you know. I and mean, he did stuff with like H, like kind of early HD experiments, sure. you know. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, HD video. But this is, I don't know. Anyway, I, yeah, I think it does have a very stylized look that mm-hmm. is very clean and crisp and fresh. And it does feel like, it does feel like, even though it was done in the '80s, it does feel, or in the '70s, it feels like, "Hello, '80s, we're we're coming after you," you know. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's kind of cuspy as far as like mm-hmm. trippy visuals because you definitely have one foot in um, different kinds of technology and different kinds of um, yeah, you know, like st- what the stock is that you're using, and there's like video mm-hmm. integrating with it, like like um, there's like uh, you know, the video zapping of him in the video uh, monitor. On one mm-hmm. of the later, uh, yeah, I love that. yeah, so dope. yeah, so uh, yeah. so that that's not so much like a 1972 trip. No, look, no, know? not at all. Right. Side note on the on the blue screen, the the guy that was sort of the uh, designer that worked on that stuff was the same guy that worked on Exorcist too. <laughs> so yep. there is, uh, and it does. You can see, you can feel that similarity in yeah. just totally. the look. The yes. world is like gliding, the, uh, like the. Um, the locust eye view kind of matter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Good totally. to know. All right. Well, well, anyway. Well, yeah, just, just to kind of get into it, you know, before we started rolling, we were just kind of batting around like, where do we all stand on this movie? You know, yeah. and I think there's a lot that we appreciate about it. I think, um, you know, Tom, you were sort of saying like, you know, it is a flawed film. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that, which we'll get into, especially a lot of the behind the scenes reasons for that. 
But um, it's, it is a fascinating flawed movie as well, too, because we were talking about with the time that it's coming out, like mm-hmm. we just mentioned, and just, yeah, these sequences that don't seem like they're for a mainstream audience whatsoever, but here no. they are, you know, and that's what's, that's what's so cool about it, I think. Um, but, um, but, but you were sort of talking about, Tom, like, you know, the Pauline Kael take and your yeah. take. Do you want to get into that a little bit before yeah. we get into the behind just the scenes? Just a little bit. I mean, you know, uh, when, when applicable... When she does a review, I do hit up Kale, and uh, she she has a, a nice review in this one. Um, and one quote that I grabbed is "aggressively silly" uh, is a nice little term for it. "Aggressively silly" is is a quote yeah. of hers, and uh, she kind of begrudgingly liked it. I think she liked the camp of Ken Russell and complimented him when like uh you know he has when he's uh, you know like firing on all cylinders yeah um and he's having fun and she can sort of the fun is contagious for her but yeah. she really wasn't into um you know Russell's partner in this because this is a Ken Russell envisioning of a script by Patty Chayefsky yeah which is and she was saying that that is a match made in cinematic hell you know <laughs> and it's like like no one would have and, and and to explain briefly it's just you know you got Ken Russell you got you know, he's coming off of like things like listomania, yeah. you know, which is ridiculous Just, and uh, silly, aggressively silly too. And it's yeah, but then operatic. Is, he's like an operatic, crazy, yeah. gaudy, over right, the top, right. absurd, gaudy, Absurdism. tacky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's screaming Can't at be. you in a weird way <laughs> yeah. all the time, and yeah, and it's yeah. all patchwork, and there's no flow, and the narratives fall apart and stuff like that. It's fun though. Ken Russell's fun. So she's saying there's that, and what could not be more different is Chayefsky, which is like. American, Northeast, Jewish, intellectual, playwright, novelist, Chayefsky, the last thing Oscar he winner was, <laughs> yeah, well, like, and like, um, like a big kind of humanist liberal, yeah, like of the 50s, uh, you know, stripe, uh, you know, and, um, and, and like kind of in a black and white headspace, like, you know, a big film for him is, you know, like Network. So just think about like the guy who helmed Network working with the guy who did Listomania. Yeah, <laughs> like like take a step back and go. This is what this. Is. So she was remarking on on that product and how it doesn't work. And one great observation she had is, and when I was a, a kid again, I noticed that there's something really off about how the dialogue works in this film. It's like it, all the four principal people are having like rapid dialogue and they're going like this, and it's like it's like well, if the academy sees this, they're not going to. It's like well, that's the thing I want to transcend. The, the, the. It's like they're all like mile a minute talking to each other at each other, at us. And and her theory is that um, Ken Russell said, "Wow, I'm seeing pages of of dialogue, which is very Chayefsky," and I'm like, "Can we just put this shit on times two, like in VLC yeah. or something, <laughs> yeah. on QuickTime?" Just like and like he was just like, "Just have them talk twice as long." Yeah. I need to get over all these basically, you know, this dialogue that's monologues. Yeah, and so it's kind of it's all off, medical it's, jargon too, like off, you know, medical jargon or philosophical jargon. It's off the charts, and it's not just a little, you know. You might want to. Some people would just like bookend that at the beginning, so that you know, like you're in a medical environment or whatever. But no, it's like all the way throughout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think that he just had to suffer through it. It's like a deal with the devil. Like, all right, I'm adapting the screenplay. It was. The screenplay is like seventy percent this inane dialogue sputtering. But we've localized it. At least we know where the self is. It's in our own minds. It's a form of human energy. Our atoms are six billion years old. We've got six billion years of memory in our minds. Memory is energy. It doesn't disappear. It's still in there. That's a physiological pathway. And so he double-timed it. But it's still, it, again, one of the charms, because I do love this film, is it, it's, it, there's a charm to it because it's so weird. Like, mm-hmm. it's not normal. Mm-hmm. 
dialogue. It's a weird, scenes. it's a so weird it's... cultural artifact, <laughs> you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. But just just to respond directly to the dialogue, um, you know, and, and we'll touch on some of the other behind the scenes stories. But I mean, she's a hundred percent on the money. I mean, basically, we're gonna get into this, but you know, Ken Russell came into this project when it would had already been in development with a different director uh, oh. for about eight, nine months. So he came in very late to the process. Whoa. We'll get into that in a second here. Um, yeah. But just to get to the dialogue part, it was always a constant struggle between Ken Russell when he did step into this uh, to try and pare down the dialogue, the monologues, uh, the things that Patty Chayefsky, and he was very precious about all those things because he also had sure. first written the novel that this is based on and then is adapting that to be into the movie. And um, they had to constantly negotiate with each other. I mean, famously, they would butt heads to the point of where, um, you know, Patty Chayefsky was kicked off of set the first day of shooting with Ken Russell and banned and not allowed to come back on wow. set. And um, it was, and, and but leading up to that point, they were negotiating constantly like, okay, well, Patty, I'll let you come in for the rehearsals, but that means I get to cut some more dialogue down, you know, or whatever. Like they were constantly so, so I'm trying. Sorry. Full stop real quick. There was more dialogue. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, wow. yes, yes. So, so when when Patty was banned from set, um, Ken Russell, the final agreement that they actually made was that um, he was not to change any more of the script in exchange for him to not be there. So yeah. the theory of times two really. <laughs> Is exactly yeah, on the money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. that's the look after just the vi mainly the visuals, yeah. and then keep the dialogue and the script basically the yeah. same. Yeah, Basically, it was like let's times two the dialogue so I could get to my set pieces <laughs> yeah. of having sex for the first time with this woman and having flashes of crucifixion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like, like, like that's that's yeah. that's yeah. what he's interested in. Not like yeah. chat, like two bearded guys yelling at each other in some like, <laughs> yeah. uh, laboratory. Yeah, about theories and stuff. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. 100%. Um, I love it. Altered well, states. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it, it, there's, a, there's a weird tension in this movie, and, and, and it does center. It does, the origin of it is within Patty Chayefsky, which let's just get out of this out of the way here. So Tom mentioned he just, you know, you know he, he had... Uh, he had uh, written Network, which obviously he won the, the Oscar for. It was a big, huge smash hit. Um, but shortly before the release of Network, he had basically begun conversations, discussions between his regular producer and collaborator. Uh, and oddly enough, Bob Fosse was in the room for these conversations, which is so crazy. Um, you know, another theater guy. Patty's a theater guy. You know, some oh, yeah, friends. Yeah. So they um, were all talking and they wanted to put together a movie that Dino De Laurentiis could produce because mm. he had been he had just done uh, King Kong. So they started talking right. about this weird, wild version of doing a rehash of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was the origin of it. Not a not a straight adaptation, but something yeah, yeah. that was, you know, going to center around you know, the concept of a doctor who's got inner turmoil and scientists, a scientist who wants to venture beyond, you know, into yeah, something yeah. where, you know, man, knowing things that man is not meant to know, you know what I'm saying? And, and that was the that was the that was the general idea. I mean, um, in, in a way, it is a Jekyll and Hyde, but for like late 60s psychedelic head trip. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. People, you know, well, it is. Yeah. 
I was kind of disappointed when I found that out because that, that is it does kind of explain the movie in a nutshell. Like, of course, yeah. it is just a retelling of Jekyll and Hyde. Right. Um, because I was really hoping that the genesis of it came from like, you know, John Lilly or those studies. You know, I wanted that to be the spark. That it does, though, in movie, part. Not like, you know, yeah. some famous monster stuff, you know. No, well, I'm no, sure it, it's it's it, it's it's Lilly. But it's a part of it. You know, it's a mashup. It's a mashup yeah, yeah. of those ideas. Mashup, like, yeah. mm-hmm. So, 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 Patty wanted to work on this as a as a novel first. That was the idea. Make it a novel. Circle back to a script, but first get a studio on board so they can provide backing, so he gets paid to write it. And he was very expensive at the time because he just did network. So Columbia signed on to this uh, to do his next movie, and so he spent the you know several months researching altered states of consciousness. You know, and 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 you know, believing that research, solid research, is going to lay this foundation. You know, factual things are going to. You know, he'll be able to build a. You know, the story around that. Um, you know, altered states meaning you know anything that is a result from altered states of consciousness of like you know a, a result from sleep or lack of sleep, hypnosis, yeah. drugs, meditation, meditation. psychedelic yeah. mushrooms, of course. Um, and then just like what you said, Marcus, he was interested in the studies of John Lilly is what he really focused on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and for those who don't know, uh, oh, so go, you want to take it? Oh, yeah. No, uh, just that. Yeah. Just to clarify, like that, what I meant was like, if that was the genesis of the idea was to th- start with psychedelics and the movie could go anywhere, you know, right. the ending right. could go anywhere. But if you're starting with it being Jekyll and Hyde, he's going to end up being a monster. Well, I don't know end. if it started yeah. that way. It's just... Uh, I know exactly how what you packaging mean, the John Lilly idea. Yeah, I don't know, but what the hell but meaning I? that it's it's gonna it's gonna have to like conclude with the trope of you know um, the <laughs> but, Jackson Hyde exactly. But it doesn't beyond <laughs> yeah. everything we're saying. No, but but, but yeah. here's the thing: beyond everything we're saying, and we will at some point now or later get into this. So there's the promising start that Marcus has sprung on Lilly. Then it becomes Jekyll and Hyde. It gets kind of horror. But then it uh, gets really lame because the final <laughs> note struck in this film. Do you want to just get into it? Uh, um, we can. I mean, I got... Uh, yeah, I mean, let's put a pin in it just because I'm not quite there yet. And uh, yeah, But yes, because yeah. it does have a lot to do yeah. with the pattiness of all of this. But, cool. but, but, but so basically, John Lilly, for those who don't know, he was a physician, psychoanalyst who pioneered the use of, isola- of isolation tanks um, to study the, the inner workings of the mind. You know, he floating alone in a tank, shutting out the world and shutting out stimuli, you know, allows a person to go deep into his inner self, that sort of idea. Mm-hmm. And he was um, taking acid in like, or LSD in 1964. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he was combining. He was the one who firsthand combined the idea of the of of the tank and LSD and being able to see what happens if you combine two different methods of uh, cool. altered states. You know, um, and and he said here, I have a quote from him. He says, "When he did that, um, I moved into universes containing beings much larger than myself. I was swept, pushed, carried, world, and in general beat around by the processes." of immense energy of fantastic light and of terrifying power so pretty yeah. badass he's also and, the guy like you know if anybody's seen that youtube video it talks about the dolphin house experiment where the woman lived with the dolphin and tried to teach it english like oh, he was sort yeah. of the uh it's weird the sort of lead researcher in charge of that so he's a pretty far out guy that's well, day of the, the, the film the, day of the dolphin the mike right. nichols film written yeah. by mm. buck henry day of the dolphin is based on Lily as well about communicating oh, with dolphins. Wow. Yeah, because that's so, that photo you see of Lily with like the dolphin in the tank, right? Like, 
That's also mm-hmm. he's got in the dolphin in a tank mm-hmm. and shit. It's Dolphins pretty... in the tank too. Let's yeah. talk. <laughs> That's mind. also in the, tank. The, 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 the sequel tank. to 2001 is all about dolphins and aliens and stuff too. Oh. Right? And the Cold <laughs> War. Yeah. Boo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of course, you know what? Looked... That's the end of uh, or the soul of 2010 relates somewhat to that final note that we're not having fun mm-hmm. with with altered states. 100%, 100%, 100%. Uh, we'll get into that. So, okay. so, so just real quick, Patty looked into Timothy Leary. Uh, he looked into Huxley and others who experimented with drugs and tr- wanted to travel beyond the threshold of conventional science. So he's melding all of this stuff together to make this story, right? Um, and so then <clears throat> he writes the book. Um, it, 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 it goes into pre-production and he assembles... Uh, th- they get... You know, I don't know if you if if you think Ken Russell is a wild idea, he thought Arthur Penn could have pulled off this movie. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. So can't even yeah. imagine. It's yeah, one of those weird things too, where the studio commissions good. the book to make the movie, right? Like the yep. studio is like, here, we're gonna write. You're gonna write a book so we can make a movie on it. It's, yeah, it's, it's a weird backwards. Is kind it of the Godfather thing. like that? They they kind of do that today. Mm. I mean, it's like the idea of like yeah. IP creation. You know, it's kind of the same yeah. thing. Like, let's create a book so it can be based on something because everybody thinks if it's based on something, it's got more value somehow. You know, right, right, um, gravitas. Yeah, gravitas exactly. So, um, but yeah, Arthur Penn signs on man in, the, in 1978 to helm this project. <laughs> Mr. Bonnie and Clyde. Mr. Uh, shout out to one of our favorite movies, Little Big Man. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh little, wow, right, that's <laughs> Little yeah. Big Man director helming Altered States. Uh, very very crazy, but basically the yeah. the 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 production is a mess. It's a disaster. Uh, all the pre-production, because even though he puts together Dick Smith, legendary makeup artist, uh, uh, shout out Marcus uh, uh, John Dykstra from Star Wars is recruited. From Star Wars, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, Joe Alves, who did Close Encounters. Like all these top-notch... And Jaws. And Jaws, yep. All these just powerhouses of effects are brought in, but Arthur Penn has never really done a movie that involves complex technical special effects i mean probably some of the most complicated technical effects up to this point you know arguably and um so he's floundering he can't figure out how to get his head wrapped around it Mm -hmm. meanwhile you have patty chayefsky who the way that he's written all of this all these hallucinations and all these dream sequences they are all super abstract you know, they're like in prose right. and they're very poetic and you can't, there's no right. way to distill that into a fucking storyboard because it doesn't and make any sense. that feels like it's not an Arthur Penn strong suit either to like no. interpret like eight poetic lines in a, in a script, mm-hmm. you know. No. But Kenneth Angie, He's, you would think on paper is a good candidate. You know, if you were a studio exec, that does make more sense. Ken Russell, you mean. Right. Uh, Ken Russell. What yeah, yeah. Say? Either. Yeah, Ken Russell. <laughs> yeah. Either. Ken Russell, yeah. <laughs> Ken, Ken Banger, yeah. Arthur yeah. Penn's Ken. sort of like a director's actor, right? Like he's yes. just been, he's not like a visual guy. Yeah. No. Like the other two. Like the, Ken, like like the Kens are. Yeah. He's right. just not into yeah. like managing a complicated production. Right. You know, and no. Kenneth Anger or Kenneth, God damn it. Ken, Ken Russell um <laughs> is, you know, he the man yeah. has helmed no, many no, set complicated pieces. Again, like Listomania, like uh all right, get those Penis statues over here. Yeah. Okay. Beep, Roger beep. Daltrey in the chaplain outfit yet? Okay, yeah. there's your mark. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is what he does. Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah. So, 
So basically, <laughs> the only thing Arthur Penn and Patty Chayefsky really got on the level with was the casting. They, they knew they wanted nobodies, people who had not been in anything. And this is William Hurt's first movie, as we mentioned. Um, I mean, it's everybody's first movie. Um, uh, but not play- Bob Balaban. No, he, he was in Close Encounters. But it's and Midnight you know. Cowboy and a uh, shout oh, out to right. girlfriends too, which is that's like right. Our, oh, that's right. To hit so that's he's great. the only veteran here. We love him. I mean, shout out to parents too. I mean, he directed <laughs> I mean, that. God, um, yeah. Uh, you know, Waiting for Guffman, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, Blair Brown, you know, the other scientist guy. It's all their first time movies, whatever. But basically, the studio needed realized they needed a visionary to come in and figure out how all this fucking shit was going to work on screen. And so um, basically enter Ken Russell, man. And, and basically he comes in and just decides, you know what, we're going to reboot all this shit and I'm just going to own all the hallucinations, like all the effects, all that stuff. I'm going to fucking do it, you know, and uh, come up with how we're going to do it, what it's going to be, what it's going to look like. And that's what he did, man. And um, he went to town on that shit but meanwhile, like I was saying, <laughs> he was trying to also scale down the dialogue, right. the density of wrestling the science. with like eight pages of dialogue, yeah, and the mumbo jumbo and the jargon, and you know, because it was so dense, and you know, and yeah, and just to close the loop on Patty and Ken, I mean, they just saw mm-hmm. the movie in two different ways, and right. it, it 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 led to a huge blow up. Um, basically, in that scene you were talking about, Tom. Where 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 uh, Blair Brown talks about the baboons and her passion about the baboons, you know, and like researching that, it was in that right. sequence when uh, Ken Russell gave her the direction of playing the scene in different ways because he wanted to see maybe have different options in the cutting room. Like here, play this scene a little tipsy and see what it looks like if you play oh. it a little tipsy because then it might have a little more humor to it, you know, instead of yeah. being so fucking straight. And Patty did not like that. Yeah, dry. He did not like that. He pulled the actors aside and gave him his own direction. And Ken was like, ah, hell nah, and kicked his ass off set. And that was it. You know, and then Patty removed his name from the movie. He uses uh, a a pen name in the in the in the credits. So um, Sydney Aaron, I think that's right. Yeah, it's that acrimonious. Oh, he won't talk. He didn't talk about it. Ever after after all this, so he completely disowned. What it, was yeah. his idea of altered states? Like altered states, people talking in rooms for two hours, man. <laughs> <laughs> what is he envisioning this film yep. to be? You know, right? Because right. that's well, this... what network is more or less is people yep. talking in rooms. It works for network, but um, anyway. well, this really gets into the ending. I mean, we should talk about that because that is kind it's of how time. let's go. <laughs> Are you ready? How he sees I'm it. I'm ready. Go to talk about the ending. <laughs> like, like. Bring us there. Oh, oh, okay. Well, so, all right. So even as a kid, again, I'm watching this film and it's far out and you're wondering like where this is all going as a film and in the narrative of the scientists. Like where, where, where are we, what are we going to hit for the ending? Like, you know, what's the note struck? And it always felt, I wouldn't say it's a cop out. I, sometimes I'd call it a cosmic cop out. But basically, um, <laughs> it pulls or another way, it like pulls the rug from under you. And I look at it this way. It's a ima- it's like imagining if 2001 ends, you know, yeah. with, uh, you know, like um, a yuppie, like hugging his dead parents or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know, like, the you know, the astronaut at the end of 2001, like, dad, this is the hug I've never had. And actually, this is, this is my point. <laughs> 
I remember thinking of the lame ending for Altered States when I saw Contact in the 90s with Jodie mm. Foster. Mm-hmm. Because it's another film where it gets very far out, you know, time travel, wormholes, mm-hmm. transcendence of mm-hmm. like the bounds of, you know, mm-hmm. Earth and being a human. And then she's just like, oh, you know what? It was good to see dad again. I don't yeah. know if you guys are familiar, <laughs> are you guys yeah, familiar yeah. with Contact. Totally, totally. No. Yeah, okay. I am. I am. I saw it in the theater. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Wow. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Nice one. Uh, no, anyway, so yeah, it's too. that kind of thing. It's that style. And I feel that this is the first one that does it. And this is a larger narrative about like um, baby boomer sentimentality and attitudes. Now, what I mean is my last little dumb example is it's like Jim Morrison turning up on the wonder years or something like that. It's like, <laughs> like, like, it's like someone is cosmically far out as, as, as Jim Morrison, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, someone that far out, like he has to die young. It's like, forget it. Like, like, like yeah. instead of growing old and like going, you know what, man, this is a beautiful house. Me and my woman made and I love my mm-hmm. kids. You know, it's like it feels so prosaic and domestic compared mm-hmm. to like literally Jim Morrison in the doors, you know, and mm-hmm. all the 60s since Jimi Hendrix, like, blah, like you're just in outer space. And, and and 2001 the ending it's just like where are we going where are yeah. we at and this and and i felt that this film grounded so much in this kind it, it hinted at a yuppie attitude that was growing in the 80s totally because all these freaked out people in their 20s and teens boomers from the 60s like they're like starting to have families and starting to have kids and they're rearranging their value system to being more like a big chill kind of yuppie thing where it's just like um let's just move up north and get that cottage instead of like <laughs> fighting for workers rights in spanish right. harlem or freaking out and going to an all-night club and seeing like you know uh post-punk bands or something like that they just they ditched like yeah. the energy of life beyond domesticity so mm-hmm. that's my little rant and i always found yeah. it kind of like um uh a place that um really grounded out baby boomer consciousness at this point and beyond um yeah well, on top you know of that, they, they they tell it and don't show it either. You know, you know, he's like, uh, he ditches the kids. The kids kind of pop in at some point in the middle of the movie, then you never see them again, Dude, right? And I, so, I'm always thinking, and Kale did the same thing. Who's watching the kids right now? Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She actually says, like, uh, she answers the phone, like, it might be the kids calling, <laughs> like the eight year old kids are calling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they're like, uh, you know, he's like, he spent like nine years away from them. He's estranged I from his know. wife. I know. Apparently, you have to really focus in the movie to to grasp that part of I it know. too. Yeah, and, the time uh, jump. But he's yeah. like, he's like, you know, even though the kids aren't here right now, I just realized how important you and them are to me. <laughs> yeah, know? I guess. Well, here, the last thing I'll say is that uh, to your point, one hundred percent. It's like to build your ending on like uh, it's all about me and my woman and and our family. Mm-hmm. To build that on what has so far not been any kind of love story mm-hmm. uh, or specific or, or even more so like the greatest love story of all time you could have that story sure where it's right. this incredible time transitioning love story that's boundless and and yeah, does yeah. shake the foundation of the universe this love story but these right. guys just look like it was a marriage of convenience like you want to shack up and like we're yeah, both kind of doing our postgraduate yeah. studies now and we're in the same right. city it's like they don't and, seem and, like wild about each other Totally. And to your point, it would have to what? be the greatest love story of all time to rescue him from his fate, which is right. like this unprecedented moment where like he reverts to being an ape and then to like a pile of goo. Yes. But then her true love saves him from that. He he should be like the fly a Cronenberg the fly or something, just like uh yes. you know, yeah, d- tragic just dispense into nothing. He should yeah. become sand and blow away. Good point. You know, but like 
But really, it's this powerful love that we never witness or feel in the movie, and that saves him from like mm-hmm. like a sure fate of just complete obliteration right. within yeah, his own right. mind. Weird. Right. Weird. Yeah. So can I answer why it's in there? Um, you love so, it, right? You're going to defend I it I love now. it, man. Love conquers all. <laughs> the ending. You're here for the ending. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of, it does remind me of adaptation when he's like, and true love will win in the end. You yeah. know, it's like, it's well, a Hollywood movie. Hollywood ending. You know? It is. Yeah. Uh, it's true. Quick. Quick shout out to um, this uh, issue of Cinefantastique that I was able to dig out of my magazine box uh, for so tonight. That's very uh, cool. This has an extensive article uh, chronicling the fraught um, behind the scenes production of this movie. Ooh. Very in detail. Um, several, several, wow. several pages. I like the writer recommend. was on set, like eyewitnessing all this. I mean, it's just it's just interviews with everybody, you know, talking about it. And um, that's cool. The kind of I the person that. who represents in, you know, this is, it's a great that you get on eBay. Everyone should get a copy of this. Um, the uh, the person who sort of is uh, telling the Paddy Chayefsky sort of side of the story is uh, his producing partner. Um, that guy I mentioned, Gottfried. Um, and they talk about the ending a lot in, in, in this article, and they talk oh. about how the ending is present in both the novel and the film. And okay. um, you're asking, how does Patty Chayefsky see this movie? There was a fundamental difference in how he sees the movie and how Ken Russell saw the movie, the th- even the themes. But, but, but Patty Chayefsky does not consider his story a sci-fi story. You know, he's, he's always was pushing against the conventions of sci-fi and, you know, even mm-hmm. down to that's kind of why you see like when you see the deprivation tank, it's just kind of like a flat black box. You know, he wanted it yeah. to feel that way, which I can get behind. I think that was a good choice. Yeah, but cool. he always he saw this movie as a love story. That's how he always saw wow. the material, <laughs> whether that's more present in the novel. I don't know. But uh, Godfrey, his producer. Right. Um, says, he's a quote, um, he says, I guess that Patty as a writer really believes that the only act of faith that is any significance is love. Uh, And he was defending the screenplay as filmed. It's not the most profound thought in the world, but what are we without love? The ending works, despite the fact that it doesn't have the kind of intellect that the rest of the film has. But I like the simplicity of it at, uh, at that point. I think it would be a mistake if we got more profound. That's what the producer says. Uh, however, the article goes on to talk about how in most of the preview screenings of Altered States, people laughed that fucking ending off the screen and oh. were chuckling at the ending because of how ridiculous it was. It's um, corny. Yeah, it's so corny because it comes oh, out of shit. nowhere, hmm. you know. Um, right. And yeah, and, and so just, just to kind of just really quickly, the, 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 the way that, that Ken Russell sees the movie... Um, is totally much different. You know, he sees it about a man who is exploring the dangers of science and how he literally is ripping open the book of Revelations and by doing so becomes his own sacrificial lamb. This is a quote from uh, Ken Russell. Mm -hmm. Like the great artists of Mahler and Beethoven, all the great composers and the great painters as well. I suppose he is trying to get in touch with the process by which greatness is thrust upon him. But what he does not realize is that he's trying to uncover answers to questions that only God can answer. And that's mm-hmm. that. That goes with what you're saying. Like he should be fucking turned yeah. to dust. Go ahead, Marcus. That More is, of a 2001, yeah. etc. Kind yeah. of headspace. Right. That is very Ken Russell. Chayefsky like, won that the ending. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, just just that that approach is very Ken Russell. Like he just the, his entire history of his career was 
reimagining bio biopics of you know famous composers from his early years like mm-hmm. you know yeah. at the bbc <laughs> doing like you know kind of like reenactment documentary films of like uh of guys like um elder elgar elgar and yeah. uh other you know composers and then just that kept going with listomania whatever that was this whole thing was like stories mm-hmm. of men and their art you know and mm-hmm. that's sort of like ken russell too he's like He's just very into his own creativity and his art. Mm -hmm. Not that he hasn't done like a love story before, but that seems to be his main through line of his work is like just a man and his work. And that's, that's the relationship that he's in. It would be too corny for him, you know? Right. And to Uh, be clear, I guess he got stuck with it. The ending. Go ahead. Just to be clear, Patty won in that case with the ending, right? Because the agreement that they settled on when they booted him off set was no more changes to the script. So that was it. So they got stuck. Stuck. It, 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 yeah, we got stuck yeah. with the ending. Right. Interesting. Exactly. I'd love to see what uh, that, you know yeah. Russell had that considered makes sense. for the ending. Well, I mean, this is Russell's first like Hollywood movie too, right? Yeah. He was making yeah. films over in it's England true. before, so he's yeah. probably still figuring out the system and how it works. And is this his only Hollywood movie too? I mean, he's his career took like a big dive after this, right? Well, he has still made huge, films, but he had a to huge a lesser flop. degree. He had a huge flop just before this, Valentino. Like he was pretty much written off completely. Was he was box, Hollywood thing. He was a box office poison. Like you know, so it was a big yeah. risk even for the studio to get involved with him. He's probably he, really cheap for them too. He right. just, they said the reason he got it's because he was interested and available. That's it. He said he was the twenty seventh. That he was the twenty seventh choice is literally oh what he was God. for this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. At least that is a joke, this. but yeah, yeah, probably true. But it's something like that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, uh, what do you think about going on the positive tip, bringing up some killer set pieces? Because we sure. like this film. You know, yeah. It might seem like it's not. I was just going to offer up a killer set piece. I think maybe Russell's best work mm-hmm. is uh, the transformation into the um, Quest for Fire-ish <laughs> hint. Yeah. Quest for Fire-ish um, <laughs> A <laughs> uh, little ape man that uh, goes a lurking in the middle of the night. I think that's killer filmmaking. You know, mm-hmm. what do you guys think yeah. of that scene? I, I I love the zoo set piece. Um, Dude, I think that there's um, a lot of like you know um, poetry in that, and there's also a lot of like humor in it too. You know, and the idea yeah. that he's squaring off with a rhino and it's like fucking crazy. That's really cool. I really love that, and I love the image of him staring into the zoo. Uh, gift shop where he sees all the little stuffed animals oh, yeah. and everything. I remember Great. those little trinkets at the zoo. I had a giraffe one. It's like this like molded plastic and it's got kind of yeah. a fuzz on the outside. And I remember the fuzz peeling off. When I saw those in the rewatch, I was like, oh, I want those. Sick. I want that monkey. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> that monkey, yo. Yeah. So, uh, no, no. It, no. Yeah, and cool. There's so much poetry. Like there's something about like um, he's grabbing some water and it's glinting off like maybe like moonlight or something and it's just mm-hmm. it's just a really nice composition and it's very exhilarating it's very exciting and uh, you know he's yelling at dogs and climbing up the sides yeah. of buildings it's like a whole other film mm-hmm. like you can imagine being this really cool film about like a caveman in like uh like the alleyways of Boston at 4 in the morning it's just mm-hmm. very evocative to me and mm-hmm. I think he handles it really beautifully again he's in his groove with a scene like that but I've never seen him have so much kind of energy in the set pieces and the movement and the editing that, that mm-hmm. I do in this scene. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a great, it's a great moment. That's for him. true. Yeah. Usually his blocking's not the best, you know, it feels right, like it's right, really right. contained on a stage or something, right. you know, uh, busy. it's very fluid and filmy. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, no, you're also, right. Also, he's kind of restrained too, weirdly. And even though the yes. hallucinations can be really big in this movie, for Ken Russell, it's really dialed back. Yeah, which, yeah. which is nice. It is. And uh, that final trip that he has in the tank uh, is is amazing in terms of <clears throat> when it cuts to all of the... Because there's a lot of stock footage as well, too, that's being utilized, which I want to talk about, too. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, we got to get into that. But there's a lot of that science sort of like uh, uh, microscope footage, um, yeah. you know, and then the splashing of fluids like at close range. It's kind of a uh, 60s light show look Or like too. Stan Brackage mm-hmm. almost, like kind of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, abstract like, filmmaking. Like, it, it, it like really, microscopic microbes and yeah. and like bodily but, but, fluids but, but and on probably slides like color, and stuff. Like color yeah. processing and optical printers too. You know, yeah, so it looks fucking dope. And, you know, even awesome. the... Even like before the cheesy ending, like leading up to the part where he's kind of trying to resist the metamorphosis, you know, and just that whole like lava skin look, mm-hmm. Dude, you know, it's amazing. No, his skin is like TV static. Again, as I a know, child, I was like, right. That is brilliant. Like I'm like so, yeah. TV static man. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. the coolest shit ever. Really no, it's cool. very video. A lot of great looks. Yeah, it's it's very yeah. video arty and like music video y as mm-hmm. we said, but like um, it's funny when he always banging himself against the wall to like undo yeah. the effect, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I know. Uh, the that I uh, speaking of music video, that's what they do at the end of that aha take on me video when the guy mm. is like illustrated with like right. uh, pencils and stuff. He's like bangs himself on the wall to make it stop. Interesting, you know? weirdly yeah. iconic. It is yeah. iconic too, and I like that it is in like a mundane setting. This like yes. otherworldly thing is happening in like in a, some in a mid-sized room. railroad apartment. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, I do love that because it's it, it yeah. kind of brings it home to a way you yeah. can kind of imagine yourself doing that. Right. Yeah. yeah. It is right. sort of like you're tripping out your house. Like make it stop. Exactly. You know? It's somebody's house. It's a party, and you're like, "Where's the bathroom?" I'm <laughs> <laughs> in this endless hallway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but there is <laughs> that's amazing. But there there is um there is a lot of like kudos to give to Ken Russell on managing all of the effects and the process of that, as I mentioned earlier, because, yeah. you know, he had Dick Smith, you know, who is one of the most legendary from uh, little makeup. big man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <shut up. laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. He was brought in. <laughs> Woo. He was brought in, you know, for this. And, um, you know, part of the, part of the whole pre-production process and showing the executives. Oh, by the way, we should mention the studio pulled out like weeks before they were supposed to go into production and they had to switch it over in a matter of 48 hours. Warner Brothers picked it up. So literally this movie had like 800 (laughs) reasons not to exist and it does. So it's crazy. But anyway, so one of the things that they used to get Warner Brothers on board at the 11th hour was showing all the makeup stuff that Dick Smith had done. He'd done mm. a lot of test shoots. You can actually mm. see it on YouTube. It's out there, all the test stuff that they did. Because cool. that, that one suit, you know, that he's kind of struggling in, mm-hmm. you know, was mm-hmm. like a big set piece, I guess, that they had. But, I, I'm, I'm, but you know, Ken Russell I, was smart enough to see, to know, just real quick, he was smart enough to see that that shit wasn't going to work in 1980, you know, as much. And he had to create some sort of distancing with creating another layer of, you know, uh, grain and video and static. Different aesthetic. Yeah. Just uh, bring up, put something pass. over it to make it like to hide the fact that we're kind of looking at this like, Got you know, it. basket case looking. Yeah, they're thing. processed <laughs> in a computer, you know, so it's like early computer effects. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. 
which right is for, which is really no, what dope. you're saying is like it's a little more um well i mean did we not see this guy in an eraser head t-shirt yes uh, on the set <laughs> uh marcus found a ken russell t-shirt or ken russell photo where he's wearing an eraser t-shirt and my point is of that is i could see you know this old dog uh oh, i just said dog that's weird that but like weird. this old dog is like not trying to be hip but seeing how cool eraser head really is do, do you know what i'm saying like he, he probably was thinking like this is going to look a little too 1968 there yeah. it is that's a great picture it but is. my point is it's like i could see him saying I, look i just saw a racer head and it's like 1980 guys like i don't want this to look like 2001 trip sequence quite like i want to get another layer and make it a little more quote unquote like punk rock dynamic and i think that was a, whoever thought of tv static yeah uh and like videotape transmission uh, uh like as a layer an aesthetic layer that's mm -hmm. a master stroke because it does uh, move it very far from like um, the 10 years previous mm -hmm. yeah. of uh, freaking out imagery, you know? Yeah. Definitely. And they, I just wanted to say just real quick about those, those microscope effects of us like of like body plates and stuff too, like that of like, you know, bodily fluids and stuff that or like protozoa or whatever. It's really, it's on um, message too, because it's like, they look like cosmos of stars or something like, you know, when you're looking yeah. at those microscopic things that like really scaled up. So micro and it, macro it, meeting. Yeah. So, but it's on, it's on, uh, it's in, aligns with the text of the film too. Cause it's like, you're looking inside yourself for the cosmos kind of thing, sure. you know, which I love that sort of uh, marriage of you know, the yeah. effects and, uh, and the kind of yeah, philosophy. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. The the blue screen stuff too. I mean, it has a staggering amount of blue screen uh, shots in the. I can't remember the number, but it's it's a lot. And um, I guess Ken Russell's kind of learning on the go too, right? Yes. It's, not his, it's like his first like blue screen movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And him and his he brought in his production designer because the Close Encounters guy split. He was like, I don't get it. Fuck all these people. And uh, Richard, uh, his name is Richard McDonald, who's the production designer he brought in. And they conceived everything, you, pretty much every hallucination scene you see in the movie, they both conceived. And I guess the way they did it is they got drunk every night and shattered um, ideas at one another over bottles of Chianti. So that's how all of this was put together. Um, but real quick, before I'm looking at the clock, we got to talk about this because this was one of the cool finds in the... Um, in the uh, in the uh, Cine Fantastique article, and Marcus, you you also earmarked this as well, because there was some controversy on set as to how Ken and Richard mm. were conceiving the hallucinations from some members on the crew who were like I don't know regular acid takers, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> okay, because because they they felt that the sort of approach they were taking was much more of like the sort of quick cut. You know, um, it's not really acidy that much. There's a few mm -hmm. things that yeah, feel acidy, but it's not like genuine to the experience, I guess. Of uh, acid. it's a common complaint I've had too with films that they don't—they never seem to capture it. I might l appreciate the aesthetic that they've carved out, you know, but it doesn't ever seem to like really capture yeah. the experience on film. So one person that I was astounded to know was part of this production, which I did not know was a man named Scott Bartlett. Tom, does that ring a bell? You know the yeah. film. Oh, Tom, of course. Yeah. 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 Off oh, on. yeah. Off, uh, off on, yeah. yeah. Yeah, off on. So Part of yeah, that would be like on, a, on EXP TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so Scott Bartlett was an advisor uh, to the film, um, and, you know, he... 
he had basically worked for six months on the movie, coming up with uh-huh. different uh, imagery. And one of his sequences has has stayed in the film, which is actually uh-huh. a great sequence, which is, is is the stock footage of the uh, the bodies like in hell, you know, and it looks kind right. of like crazy. Which is very Kenneth Angry, you know, to- Lucifer very, Rising. very much so, yeah. very much so. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, you said he, he did a short film. Scott Bartlett is known for a short film he made called Off On, which has been called one of the most faithful representations of of an LSD trip ever made. Um, and he says, quote, in the article, their vision for the mindscape was more was Judeo-Christian, Freudian, and bombastic. Uh, my intention right. was to make my work on Altered States more Jungian and Taoistic in terms of religious <laughs> icons, and instead of bombastic and choppy, to make it more of a continual flow and blending. Because right. right. what I wanted to bring to the film was based on my own personal background uh, with hallucinogens. And so I do kind There's of love There's a real distinction. That. No, I agree. Yeah. With, I know exactly what he's saying. And I agree. I think both are potentially equally valid, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that was a great observation. The Freudian concept which is more mid-century of like um uh the idea of sort of like when you quick cut in a movie in a narrative movie it's sort of like a flash cutting to like someone's dream or their fantasy and i think that um that kind of stuck around for representing tripping out but it's not literally it's tripping out sort of like your mind in general like the well almost like nicholas rogue and his flash cutting you know sure what I'm saying? yeah you sure, know sure. and that's not like psychedelic trip it's more cinematic it's more like yeah. Well, cinematic, but also just represent- representative, like a mind in its normal state, mm-hmm. flashing on memories. Like we're even just having this conversation, we're we're seeing like altered states in our head for a second, and then like da, 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 da. you know, yeah, our father true. naked, right? That kind of thing. I'm kidding. <laughs> but just like you know, um, it's that kind of mid-century Freudian approach to um, cinematically visualizing the inner mind. Is all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So there is a distinction, and I think true. again. They both can be really powerful, and they're both represented in the film. Yeah, because there's that yeah. there mm-hmm. is that section that he designed, which is like the Dante's Inferno thing, right? Yeah. Where it's like the you know, uh, it's like optically enhanced stock footage, I guess is what it is, and it's like it's really hallucinatory and how it like kind of grows and undulates, and then there's also the scene with all the like that kind of graveyard of crosses or people crucified on crosses yeah. that's kind of like solarized in a way or whatever. So that's uh-huh. the only hallucination in the film that is not designed by Ken Russell mm-hmm. and his production designer. It feels sort of drifty and connected drifty. and flowy, you know, like mm-hmm. and things are dissolving between moments yeah. and there's like it's overlays like, of circles that are like focusing your yeah. attention here and there instead of being like cut to this, cut to that, cut to this, you know, it's like less hard the, cut. Yeah. Right. And the in the lamb one, it's like there's like it's like cut to the knife, cut to the lamb's head, you know, cut yeah. to the book, blood spun it is more chocolate um, ice cream you know, with, in front of uh, some yeah, daisies or whatever. You know, like when they're What's eating that? the What's chocolate when they're eating the chocolate ice cream in front of the daisies or whatever. You know, is one of the other kind of poppies. Yeah. Poppies. Yeah, oh, okay. Right, yeah. Right, yeah, right, yeah. Can I make one observation about like um maybe this is a little not ideal for me, but I kind of wish the music was electronic synthesizer slash rock. Sure. I mean that's a fantasy, but like right. like I, I don't know if I love the bombastic orchestral approach to the music. And I all I mean mm-hmm. maybe more is like I'm fine with it, but I, I almost imagine like if there's a different score, this movie could be really wild. Yeah. Like if, I don't know what score exactly, but maybe like prog rock or something, you know? There is uh, some synth in there's some synthesizer well, in it. Um, yeah, but, but you know what I mean? Like it's mostly dominated yeah. by like big yeah. orchestral yeah, you're right. punches mm-hmm. of like. And that is very Ken Russell too. It's like uh 
this guy John Corleano, who's like a who's like a New York kind of classical composer yeah, of the right. day, and Ken yeah. Russell went to go see him do the yeah. L.A. Phil, you know, one night. It was like, this guy's going to do my movie, you know? Yeah, so, it's like it more needs, modern classical. He just, is like a big composer guy. You know, it needs Bobby Beausoleil. see what I'm thinking? Though? Yeah, it needs Bobby Beausoleil. Yeah. Yeah, yes, thank you. Yes, exactly. Time. Bobby yeah. Beausoleil scores <laughs> yeah. uh, Altered States <laughs> live <Or Jimmy> <laughs> this summer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like a rock, like a trippy rock score. It Real just quick. hit me when I was watching it again today. I was like, yeah, I that would be wish good. it sounded different. That might push it over the edge into like full-on like classic, you know? Totally. It would. It would. You're right. Uh, Real quick, uh, just real quick, maybe we can end on something that uh, we all kind of like about the movie, is that first chunk in New York City, you know, when we are in the late 60s, and William Hurt's really shining in that sequence, and they're hanging out Uh, with each other. Light my fires. Light my fires at the party. Yeah, (laughs) That's like, uh, that was so on the nose, like a Ben Stiller movie or something like the 60s. Yeah, but this is 1980. No, I know, but it's just... It it made me laugh, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. It is, and it's like I don't know if anyone would really look like William Hurt in 1968 or whatever. Like, he, you know, he, he yeah. with that kind of like penisy haircut that he kind of has. Uh, you know, I don't <laughs> know. quite the haircut, maybe. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a straight-looking guy in the 60s. Sure, that's what guys um, look like that a lot. Like, love Bob Balaban's look in this movie too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like everyone's dad like looked like him, and it's great. Yeah, and he he uh, he's killing it. But I just love that little se- that that little sequence when uh, you know. Same here, exactly. Yeah. I kind of wish there was. You know, it actually has sort of the most humanity. Like, uh, like, like he's so weird, William Hurt, as a character. Yeah. Um, but like, there's a, I don't know if there's, well, there's a warmth from everybody else. Like the, uh, the wife of the, uh, of Bob Balaban, who's pregnant. Like, she's very much like bringing a lot of like human energy to it. Totally. You know, she's like, did you hear they're breaking up? You know, like I wanted a little more of that. I think, I think another thing that, you know, it's always good to have contrast in your work where I think that if the more human and more lived in and more natural, certain scenes feel the weirdness kind of resonates better because the yeah. film is totally kind of like yep. more of like John, uh, William Hurt's head more than anybody else's. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's almost kind said John cold. Hurt. And I, I always, I'm always sort of disappointed that it's not John Hurt. You know? <laughs> they are kind right. of similar. Yeah, for sure. Hurt but not good uh, what you're saying, Tom. Yeah. For sure. I'm just saying like, um, like his, he's, he's, the film's kind of cold and distant, and he's kind of cold and distant. And it was nice to see that early New York yeah. City party scene warmth. Yeah. So right. I'm with you on that. Where, he, where he's, he's kind of bringing a little broadcast news energy, you know, more so to the character. Yeah. And he's not so fucking Crowded, wound, wound up tight. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, I guess that's it for uh, this episode. Boom. Uh, we left some on the table, but that was. Got yeah, I mean, one fucking hour in altered states. I mean, look, uh, it is a mixed bag, but like we said, man, it has uh, definitely some of the crazier set pieces you're going to see in a movie of that era, hands down. So in a Hollywood film, like, in a Hollywood film, it's like a popcorn starts Friday. I know movie. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Think about that. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So there we go. That was that. Uh, great choice, everybody. Thank you for yeah. uh, picking that one. Always good to chew on that, a movie like that. Um, we like your taste, guys. We do. I mean, oh, I got to shout that out for a second because literally... You often I've surprise been, us. Dude, I've been looking at this lineup of movies we've been covering that y'all been picking over the last like seven or so weeks. It's been a run of bangers. You know, it's been more than seven weeks, but lately it's been extraordinarily banger. And so we and, really and lately more surprising too. I would agree. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. So, um, but that's a good segue into what next week is going to be, everybody. 
Um, this is going to be a tough one. So again, we've seen movies win with just one vote, you know, and there's hundreds <laughs> of y'all that are voting. So it's not like, you know, it's just between 13 people or something like this is, this is critical that you get your shit in. So, so, uh, definitely this is how it works. Y'all been with us for this ride so far, but in case you don't know, um, if you're watching this right now within the first 24 hours of its airing, you'll be able to participate in the poll by going to our Instagram uh, profile at one fucking hour. Click on the stories, and there's a poll, and you click on one of the options. Um, I've actually seen a lot of people racing over from YouTube to sign up do- who have just like Instagram accounts for this only purpose, you know, um, who don't didn't have them uh, before. So definitely get in there, get into the vote because this is going to be a tough, close race. Okay? Yeah, this Warning. was. Uh, I'll, I'll just say this was very fun to pick the titles. Yeah, and uh, it was it was hard because I, at first I thought like ew, 1981, get me the fuck out of here. Like was anything good? And then we just went like whoa, 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 whoa. And these are all bangers that I could see winning. Yeah, more than usual. Totally, I agree. So I don't know what it's going to be next week, but the, the uh, our fate is in your hands. So get over there right now and vote. Here are the four options. We're going to get into what the episode might be like if you pick it. All right. Option number one. Um, oh boy, uh, this is another kick at the can for Brian De Palma. Didn't didn't fare so well last week, but uh, for Dress to Kill. But this, this our, movie and, we all, and Carrie didn't win. That's right. So he's back for a third <laughs> chance. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's tied with uh, Robert Altman, I guess, uh, for most loot losses in our polls. But uh, this <laughs> Brian Brian De Palma film, one of his best. Uh, it's a killer film. Lots of style. Incredible set pieces. Good performances. Uh, we're talking one fucking hour on Blowout. Tom? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm not the biggest De Palma fan. That's yep. <laughs> clearly stated on the record. Uh, but I love this one. Um, every time I see it, it's like uh, it's a joy. I saw it in a theater when I was a kid. Blew my mind. Uh, everything works. Um, I liked Philadelphia Sleaze. I thought yeah. that was like a nice surprise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, uh, like it's not New York City, like Times Square, but like Philadelphia's Times Square. Yeah, know? yeah. And yeah. like, uh, it's really gruesome, very dark. John Lithgow kills it. Kills um, it. Kills I could watch two hours of him fiddling mm-hmm. with like, like processing audio and matching like still frames and like mm-hmm. all that tech. Mm-hmm. Um, Talking about the flashback earlier to his previous mm-hmm. career. That's a great set piece. Um, this movie's awesome. Uh, the, uh, oh, I'm sorry. The opening of the film, is that not the greatest opening it's ever? so good, man. Mm. So good. It's really good. I'm going to say. And, if you and it's, seen it's, it in a while. It's, it's so fun to just be on the ride with, you know, yeah. how he's like uh, making sort of low-budget horror films, and that's his way into this political conspiracy. And, you know, Holy. of course, it's... It's it's the blow up sort of mechanic, you know, applied again um, yeah. that we've talked about. But it's, it's I love great. that how it's connected to that film in that way. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost like people picking up one thread and making a new film out of it. And that's happened a it's couple cool. times with blow up. It's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Conversation. Like, uh, Deep Red too is like that. Right. Right. Totally. Hundred um, percent. So that's option number one. Option number two is I know a Tom favorite. Um, uh oh. And we've mentioned it on the show already once before, and uh, <laughs> right. you shouted it out. Tell us what one fucking hour on A Quest for Fire would be like. Uh, yes, I saw that in the theater, too. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, when I saw it in the theater, Quest for Fire, I immediately thought of the big set piece we were talking about earlier in Altered States. And uh, 
I mean, do I have to say more than it's two hours of the life of cave people? You know, <laughs> it's just cave people. No, Engli- no, no language. It's grunting. Everyone's naked. Everyone's murdering each other. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. Quest for fire. It's quest for fire. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I think that would be a real hip choice for us to do an hour on. I think yeah. that'd be real cool. So, yeah. Uh, Shout out to anyone who's voting on that one. That'll be really cool. Um, yeah. But that's got to contend with option number three. Uh, first, I think, ever consideration for this director on this show. Uh, we're talking a real fun one here. One fucking hour on Escape from New York uh, yeah. by John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, uh, John Carpenter, Kurt Russell. I love the sort of uh, really kicks the 80s kicks into full force. You know, um, it's a yes. budget action movie. Yes. Um, you can kind of imagine how you might shoot something like this because you can see the edges of the production. But it's such he's such a good filmmaker that you yeah. um, are totally caught up in the story and just the ambiance and vibe and tone. Great killer soundtrack, of course, oh, that he one also, of, best themes. of course, My favorite does theme. the, all the music too. And yep. the guy's just sort of a, you know, I guess he's just, I would say, I used to say he was like my favorite low budget film director when I was like a teenager, you know, but mm-hmm. I think he's just, he sort of transcended that now and just become like a great, one yeah. of the great directors, you know, he in is. a way. So, yeah. um, he knows how to, uh, yeah. he knows how to deliver man and, and make something real fun and, Great concept. The Escape from New York like, concept is awesome. You know, yeah, it's, just the concept and it's executed yeah. so well. And it's like, what other movie has Donald Pleasance facing off against Isaac Hayes? Yeah, you know? <laughs> I'm the Duke of New York. I'm a yeah. number one. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. and then we would see this sort of formula play out so many times in yes. the 80s like the running it's, man italians or, like this you know. one in particular. Yep. yeah <laughs> yes right right this um, is a big one yeah. this is a big one for them so yeah. yeah escape from new york that would be a fucking hoot to do as an that'd episode be that'd be a good 100 percent. yeah um but we got a heavy hitter for option number four there's uh, more there's more and this is a a movie that definitely I was you. thinking about. I was definitely thinking about this movie also as I was watching Altered States. And uh, we're talking about Likewise. one fucking hour on uh, American Werewolf in London, y'all. Uh, John Landis's that, yeah. film. Um, God, just so right. good on so many levels. Funny, dark, incredible set pieces. Nazi zombies. Um, I don't incredibly know, gory. Incredibly gory. Uh, incredibly funny yeah um it's more uh, griffin done griffin done alive Great. and dead <laughs> yeah uh, i think i love the opening yeah. sequence the slaughtered lamb uh, mm-hmm. pub stuff mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. a day a day in the life of new york or new york city a day in the life of like london mm-hmm. uh from you know what is it david naughton yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> forgotten guy yeah um, totally. great transformation and yes more mm-hmm. zoo transformation, yep. but more importantly, more naked man transformed at dawn. <laughs> yeah, who had transformed at dawn at a zoo. It's the same fucking thing. It is. That's mm-hmm. why I was thinking about it. Isn't it yeah, weird? So but altered states. I know. Weird. It's yeah, so it's much weird. fun, and it'd be a, a blast to do that one too. This is a tough one, guys. This is this is bananas. This is bananas. It kills. It kills. <laughs> yeah. So, those are your four choices. Um, you got one more time. You got blowout, a quest for fire. Yes. Escape from New York or Werewolf in London, American Werewolf in London. We're going to have a blast no matter what. Um, pick one of those movies right now. If you're watching this in the first 24 hours of the broadcast, go to at one fucking hour on our Instagram page. Vote now. 
And again, just real quick shout out. Um, if you have not yet signed up for the one fucking hour Patreon, can't recommend it enough because we're going to be hitting a bunch of different awesome audio commentaries. There are also some maybe rumors of more bonus episodes. We're going to talk about that a little later. But so you want to get on there, uh, five bucks a month. You can download our audio commentary tracks, get early access to every episode, or scroll down under the video, click join, and become a Momin. Because uh, this shit is for Momins only, brah. So um, <laughs> do one of those things. Uh, it's the best way to support Leave the channel. Leave a comment or um, subscribe and hit the bell and all that stuff too, right? You oh, do all stuff. that shit too because, guys... We are, I think, around, you know, we're about 600, uh, 1,600 subscribers on YouTube. Um, Once we get to 2K, man, we're going to do another fucking live stream as well. So definitely we're going to want to hit that subscribe and we'll do another live stream. Um, Some themed episode of some kind like we did. Maybe a Movies We Hate. We'll run it back. Who knows? We'll do something. But only at 2K. (laughs) Always more of those. Endless. Uh, So, all right, everybody. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> it is. Uh, but of course, we can't leave y'all um, without your... Um, what is it again? Um, your... Momin. That's right. Of Zen. <laughs> All right, everybody. We will see wow. you uh, for 1981, man. You guys have... You guys got fucking heavy burden on that one, but yeah, we will see you see and... Yeah, we'll see what happens. Take care, everybody, and see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey, man, maybe you better get me out of here. <laughs> Come on, Walter. <laughs> I thought you always liked selling anyway. <laughs> well, Walter, forget about the shower. Just get dressed. Do you feel okay, Walt? Never better, Dan. Accelerating through time and space. I'm cooking, man. Wait a minute. Yeah, I think it's time. In a basement laboratory, a man floats naked in total darkness, electrodes attached to his body. The most terrifying experiment in the history of American politics is out of control. And the subject is himself. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. That was wicked, man. <laughs>